I wanted to know what it's like to be lost, really lost, to, to see if we could survive what Jacob went through. Because then it, it wasn't for nothing. It can't have been for nothing. The Whitetail Forest in northern Minnesota is a tangle of rock formations, freshwater lakes, and millions upon millions of trees. One wrong step will send you deep into a thick expanse of greenery that looks terrifyingly the same in every direction. In navigation, dead reckoning is the process of tracking your position relative to landmarks you pass along the way. In other words, it's knowing where you are by knowing where you've been. Lose track of where you've been, and you'll end up somewhere completely unexpected. No, listen, listen, Brent. The stories I could tell you, the stories everybody's got about this, this guy. What does Howland want with our kids? He, he thinks he got away with Jacob, but I know better. I should have known months ago. I felt like a damn fool when I got the call. That's not happening again. When I talked to Donald Van Kalkar on December 16th, he was pissed. A few days earlier, he had discovered what some folks already knew, that his son, John Francis, had been spending afternoons and weekends training for a survival challenge in the middle of the Whitetail National Forest with his cousin, Peregrine Wells, three other classmates, and a man they called Howell. Donald found out about it the way every parent fears, with a phone call from the hospital. That call sent him off on a search not so different from the one I had been on. Who was Peter Howland, really? And what was his interest in these teens? What exactly did the other adults of Whitetail think was going on? And what would they do when they found out the truth? I'm Brett Ryback, and this is In Strange Woods. Chapter 2 Dead Reckoning. A week before Donald got that phone call from the hospital, and a few days before he called me to see what I really knew, his son John Francis was stretching his legs against a fallen tree in a clearing a few hundred feet from Howell's cottage. It's a chilly December day in Minnesota, but training for Peregrine's survival test, the final, is right on track. Strength, agility, endurance. All the things they'll need when they get themselves purposefully lost in the whitetail forest. Pass the stick. Show them how it's done. One. Feel the roots, feel the rush in your body when you Two. burst up. Feel the power in your core. Three. Stay loose, feel the wind flowing through you when you Four. break down. Take every weakness down to the floor. Push into the fear until it shatters. There he is, beware, you're gonna shatter. Control up, I'm willing to take the fall. Make another crack, it doesn't matter. Never gonna stop until we shatter it all. Throughout the training process, Peregrine has a clear right-hand man in her cousin, John Francis. So what's the point of that particular exercise? It works a ton of muscles at once, so it's flexibility, strength, stamina. It's basically what we do at track practice. Coach Fordham always tells John Francis was the best pole vaulter in the county two years in a row. He's got the build for it. Six foot one, lean muscle. His skin is a light pinecone brown, and he might be the only kid in the group without a spot of acne. His track experience has helped prepare him for this training. You have to focus on really specific lifts and stretches. 
So when you go for the jump, you don't even have to think about it. You just, you just know you can do it. Make another crack, it doesn't matter. Never gonna stop until we... The strategy made sense. Vigorous preparations now, so the teens would be ready when they found themselves lost in the woods. The hazier part was why they would agree to Peregrine's idea in the first place. I was already pretty good at not tying and, like, knowing which berries were safe to eat because of Boy Scouts. Well, I, technically, I didn't go past Cub Scouts because that's because I, I, I didn't need to. So I'm pretty, uh, yeah, I'm pretty set. Shane O'Connor has bright red hair that stands at attention with a boy band slickness. It's the only part of his appearance he seems to put any effort into. His Cub Scout pedigree earned him the nickname Woodsley. Or at least that's how he remembers it. It's because I already already knew the most foresty stuff. (laughs) The most foresty stuff? It's true. (laughs) Come on, come on, man. Come on. Oh, yeah, it's it's true. What? Oh, my God. What? He was insisting that he was the expert on some tree or something, right? (laughs) And he was like... I know what kind of spruce this is because I was in Scouts and I'm I'm really Woodsley. (laughs) I said Woodsy. Except you didn't. (laughs) Shut up. Woodsley's parents and his four equally freckled brothers are longtime family friends of Peregrine and her mother, Kathy. Well, they're Shannon, Seamus, me, Sean, and Shanley. I'm actually a year younger than the rest of the survivalists because they're all in Seamus's grade. But nobody likes Seamus. You might remember Woodsley's mom, Irene O'Connor. The hardest part of the job, trying to get them to put those phones down. She was a chaperone at prom the night Peregrine's brother Jacob went missing. While Jacob was lost, the O'Connor men searched alongside the community team for three long days, while Irene spent hours on the phone with Kathy Wells. There it is. Way to dig in, Woodsley. Hell yeah. All right. Nothing hurts if you can Sprint, burst out Press the pain and make it numb Strike Left, right Left, right Rise above it when you Drop, drop down into the beast that you become Push into the fear until it shatters Barriers beware, you're gonna shatter I'm moving the goal up I'm climbing up every wall I'm giving control up I'm willing to take the fall Make another crack, it doesn't matter Never gonna stop until we Shatter it all. One more set, Eric. You're not done yet. Why? <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, fine. Eric was enlisted into the group by John Francis when Hal needed repairs done on his roof. I was in shop class with John Francis second semester, and he asked if I wanted to help with the roof. I, I guess he saw I was pretty good at handiwork. Honestly, I, I was just surprised he was talking to me. Not... Eric is slim, with sandy white skin and bright blue eyes. He's gay, and he's out. Something that would have been unthinkable for me when I used to vacation here with my family over a decade before Eric was even born. Even when Hal has his work on stuff that we don't understand yet, you just stick with it because it all adds up eventually. Things I didn't get at the beginning are starting to click now. Like what? Like the rule of threes. Yeah, I love the rule of threes. Like, you, um, you pr- uh, tell him, Eric. So it's, it's all about how you prioritize in a, in a crisis, just remembering these rules. So it's 
you can go three minutes without air. Yeah. Three hours without shelter. Mm -hmm. Three days without water. Yeah. Three weeks without food. Without food. And three months without hope. That last one's weird. I'm moving the goal up. I'm climbing up every wall. I'm giving control up. I'm willing to take the fall. The three boys, John Francis, Woodsley, and Eric, have all excelled throughout the process. But for Peregrine's oldest friend, Lexi, it's been a bit of a struggle. Sweat mats her curly bangs against her forehead as we talk. I mean, it's really good exercise, and Peregrine wants us to succeed, so uh, I don't mind now that we're doing double sessions, because if it's going to make a difference for them. Lexi, come on, you got two more reps. We, we can pick this up later if you want to. Um, uh, yeah, sure. I, or if you just want to finish your thought. Yeah, no, um, I just mean... We're all in it together, and, and like that's what Peregrine wants, and she deserves that from her friends. So if we keep getting stronger, then... We'll... Alexandra, let's go! Hold on, I'm talking to Brett! Sorry. No, no, it's fine, it's fine. You go, I'll be here. Push into the fear until it shatters. Barriers beware, you're gonna shatter. I'm moving the goal up my life. I'm climbing. You got it, Lexi. I'm giving control. I'm... Watching the survivalist train is impressive and strange. Seeing them throw themselves at the exercises full body, it's as though they're urging themselves to grow up as fast as they can, to take some power back. Oh, we'll definitely be ready because, uh, you know, we're all getting stronger and faster together as a unit. Even Howell can see, you know, he can tell we're different. As a grown person, it's difficult for me to know how to feel about Peregrine's plan. To have Howell lead them deep into the woods, separate them, and leave them there overnight. They'll attempt to make their way home the next day without maps or GPS. It will be an enormously difficult undertaking. Dead reckoning will be one of the few tools they have to keep from simply going in circles. I wondered what their parents thought about it. Were they really going to let their children put their own lives at risk in the same woods that had already taken Jacob? You want tea or anything, hon? Uh, no, thank you. I'm, I'm good. Ooh. You know, I just got this eucalyptus tea from that... Um, Kathy has a comforting way about her. It speaks to her years as a registered nurse at St. Joseph's Hospital in nearby Cass Lake. In Kathy Wells' living room, there's a framed 8x10 photo of Peregrine and Kathy laughing, standing on either side of Jacob at an ice rink. He's wearing his hockey gear and a proud smirk. He towers over them. Well, the results are crystal clear. I, she feels like she can take on anything. She's confident again and always smiling when she gets home. What do you think it's having that effect on her? I, she's doing things she didn't know she could do before. It's a, it's a good distraction. And I'm sure just being outside with friends doesn't hurt. <laughs> as far as their parents knew... Peregrine and her friends were going out into the woods to learn some skills simply for the what-if, for the unplanned. Kathy had no idea the kind of danger her daughter was actively creating for herself and her friends. And what did she say about Howland? Oh, she thinks the world of him. If he taught her some new trick to find water or to 
keep her heart rate low in a dangerous situation. He's like, he's like a super scoutmaster, and she just thinks he's so cool. He's he's doing something right. Yeah. So it sounds like he's pretty present with them the whole time that they're out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a must. I mean, he's the expert. So, you know, he's with them all weekend and most days after school. And I, I, I can't say I completely understand why they have to be out there for so long, for so many days a week. But, yeah, I mean, heck, you, you've been out there with them. Maybe you know something I don't. <laughs> Listening back to this, it sounds like an invitation from Kathy for me to tell her what was really going on out in the forest about the final. In the moment, I froze. I hadn't expected to be the keeper of a secret in this story. I don't know if Kathy really was fishing, but in the end, I decided it wasn't my information to share. You know, I keep trying to remember, though, and this is what... um what Pastor Michael said, too. He said, uh, I just need to remember to trust myself as a mother and trust Peregrine as my daughter because there is a sacred bond there. She knows right from wrong and she follows the rules. I guess you could say that we're built the same way since I gave her the tools. And I know this girl, I know this girl. I was talking to your mom the other day. I was surprised that you hadn't told her about the final yet. Did you? No, I didn't say anything. Well, she knows we're training. To get lost in the woods on purpose? I don't think she really needs to know that. What about the other parents? Well, we agreed we wouldn't tell them. Not yet. Okay, so when are you going to do it? Well, I don't... She just, like, gets scared for no reason. But when she sees I can take care of myself in the woods, then she'll know she doesn't have to worry. You don't think she's going to be mad? Not mad, exactly. She should understand. Of all people, she should understand. How come? She lost Jacob, too, didn't she? The truth is, Hal wasn't always around. Most of the training by this point was being led by Peregrine. The first day I went to observe them, about two weeks before I got that pissed-off call from Donald Van Calcar. See, the thing is, there's shit they ain't telling you, Brett. Even you. I hadn't seen Hal all morning. Apparently, he'd been out on a solo hunt. When I finally saw him approaching in the distance, his broad silhouette looked otherworldly. He was dragging a dead deer on a sled behind him. As he got closer, the kids sprung into action, perfectly choreographed. Eric, can you? Yeah, yeah, I've got it. I'll get another bucket. There's a clean one under the bench. Yeah, on it. The gutting of the animal was methodical and reverent. Howell stood at the door of his cottage and watched them work a proud general observing his troops. Somewhere between the opening of the deer's chest cavity and the removing of its esophagus, I started feeling lightheaded. I didn't have the same training as these teens. I could sense Howl watching me in that moment, squatted, wobbling in my bulky headphones, field recorder shoved between the kids and the deer. 
Hal stepped inside to wash up. I stopped recording for a few minutes and let them work. Peregrine really pushes us. She's always been pretty headstrong when she's into something, and, like, that's fine or whatever, but I don't know. You know when people tell you they're doing something for your own good, but it actually feels like it's just for them? I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm just really tired. When Lexi talks about what they've been through, I feel like I arrived in Whitetail too late. I wish I could have seen Howell interact with the kids in the beginning, before they had become so independent. Difficult to know how they got there without a sense of the landmarks along the way. No chance for dead reckoning. I mean, so what's the plan exactly? You, you lure some teenage girl into his hut and then convince her to bring all her friends into this death trap in the woods? I could see where Donald Van Kalkar was coming from. Even from the inside, I felt I was missing something. Something that would explain Hal's investment in these kids. Look, and, and I don't know how deep you've looked into this, but that property he's been running his little coat out of, that was the Polnix family land. How did he even get that land? See, these are the questions you need to be asking, Brett. The reality was that without speaking to Howell, none of the parents would know who he really was. All they'd see was this strange man who had found Jacob Wells' body, allegedly by chance. The man who now had their kids coming to his house in the woods, week after week, preparing for a survival challenge administered at his hand. So that evening, I decided to go back to the source. Hi. Thank you. Yep. (sighs) Nice and warm in here. Uh, You don't travel lightly, do you? No. The main living area in Howell's cottage is tidy, spare, and practical. A fireplace, a a table, a few handmade chairs. Uh, I brought this for you as a thank you. Hmm. I'm not much of a whiskey guy, but I I thought this looked good. It was unclear whether Howell is himself a whiskey guy, but what was clear was his distaste for my obvious attempt at buttering him up. When I first interviewed him a few weeks earlier, he was guarded, but polite. At the time, I was primarily focused on his experience finding Jacob, and how he, Peregrine, and the other teens started training together. But now I wanted to know more about him. His past. Something to help me understand his intentions— where he was born, who his parents were. All things that it was clear... What does it matter to you? Howell does not want to discuss. Well, I knew when that boy showed up dead on my land, there was going to be some people come around. And they did. Asked me their questions. Wasn't anything to tell them other than what I told you. Mercifully, they stopped coming around. You will too, I imagine. He scrutinizes me from behind a pair of black, wire-framed glasses. His face is creviced and disapproving, made even more severe by the fact he wears his long gray hair pulled back tight in a ponytail. Life is disappointment. It affects you because you have the opposite expectation. The one topic I can get him to talk about is his philosophy on survival. You expect everything should work out in your best interest. You're a good person. You deserve it. But nature doesn't care about your expectations. There is no good or bad, no pleading with nature. You have to be prepared. For what? All of it. Are you listening to me? 
If the worst thing were to happen to you, are you ready for it? What is the worst thing? You'll know it when it happens. Give me an example. <laughs> All right. Let's say your car out there hits a patch of black ice and you careen off the road into the trunk of a 60-foot spruce. Your nose is broken from the impact of the airbag and your brain is swelling from a minor concussion. What would you do? This question catches me completely off guard. I don't know. Guess. I don't know. I'd call for help, I guess. <laughs> Everybody goes to their phone. Your phone isn't going to save you. No service out here. I begin to wonder exactly what Howell knows about me, and if this is a calculated inquiry. I'd get out and try to push the car. You have a brain injury. The exertion causes you to vomit, so now you've just lost fluids and temperatures are starting to drop. I guess I have to wait till somebody finds me. If someone finds you. Sorry, this is... I don't know if you knew, but my, my parents died in a car accident, similar to that, when I was 13. Did he know? Hmm. So maybe you understand what the worst thing is. And here, Hal pauses, his mind suddenly elsewhere. He stands and walks into another room. He returns a few seconds later with a key, which he uses to unlock a metal cabinet. He swings the rusty door open and removes a clear glass bottle, half filled with a honey-colored liquid. You ever taste dandelion brandy? No. He grabs two small, mismatched glasses and fills each with a decent pour. <coughs> Stronger than I expected. My own recipe. So much for the whiskey. Hal sits, drinks, and then returns to lecturing me on his worldview for the next 20 minutes. Never consider your death? It's foolish. What did Marcus Aurelius say? You could leave life right now. Let that determine what you do and say. Eventually, I decide to try another tactic. So why these teens? Why agree to the final? What does it matter to you? It matters to me because people have questions about you. Some people might even call what you're doing with these kids inappropriate. <sighs> Making them skin and gut animals, leaving them alone in the woods for hours on end, teaching them philosophies about death. Inappropriate. It's questionable behavior, at the very least. To teach somebody how to prepare themselves. To tell them the truth about the world, hmm? It could be. If they're a kid. I was a kid when I was sent to Vietnam. Found out the truth about the world then. Nobody seemed to think that was inappropriate. We sent kids to Afghanistan to fight a war against the same people we gave missiles to in the 80s. But teach those kids how to survive in nature, suddenly that's inappropriate. Hal stands and moves back towards the open metal cabinet. He reaches in and pulls out a stack of photographs. He sits down and begins to lay them out in front of me. Here's what's inappropriate. Israel, 1969. Oh. Sudan, 71, Civil War. 
buildings in rubble, expressionless, emaciated faces, frightened children, their eyes screaming out for help. Life is disappointing. Who took these? Her name was Gerda. We met in Cairo. She was the friend of a girl I didn't know. Here we are on a beach in Alexandria. We took a weekend. She had insisted. And as I quickly found out, when Gerda invites you, you go. This is Gerda Polnick. She used to be the owner of this property. Good research. Were you with her when she took these? Yes. You're so striking. There was something so pure how she saw the world through the eye of her camera lens. She'd find beauty and hope in the heart of despair. We left seeking war and came back being more than just friends. There was something so pure how she looked at me like her goodness might be my reprieve. I'd never had faith in forgiveness or grace, but I'd look in her eyes and however unwise I believe. And we saw Kabul and Cape Town and Gaza. We saw deserts that danced with the sea. I felt eager and wanted, wrapped and unguarded and free. Contras, guerrillas, we saw bloodshed, 
scourge and debris I felt anxious and haunted Trapped and I started to flee Peter, sit down, let's talk this out No, no, we are not finished yet Listen to me a bombing I got a letter informing me so she had bequeathed me this house this land I didn't want it I couldn't fathom but then I knew in my gut when Gerda invites you you I sat for a moment, overwhelmed by the glimpse I'd been given into Peter Howland's soul. Suddenly, he wasn't some sociopath living on the edge of society, festering with evil intentions. He was a man who'd seen the worst of humanity and was trying desperately to save himself from it. He picked up the photographs and walked back toward the other room. I started packing up my things. That's when I realized I had a voicemail from Irene O'Connor, Woodsley's mom. She sounded frantic. She had just learned about something called the final. That's after the break. You know, you try to make sure they do their homework, they go to church, they eat a vegetable once in a blue moon, but then... Out of nowhere, you just hear something like this, and you wonder, why bother? I called Irene back the morning after my night with Howell. I'm happy to fill in some blanks if I can. What exactly have you heard? Well, I've heard what I was told. I went to the dentist with just for a cleaning, but they should call that place the Whitetail Gazette, because Dr. DeKanig, his daughter is Lexi, said that he... No, I'm talking to Brett. Like I was saying, that gossipy dentist, he asked what I thought of the final. I said, what's a final? He said, never mind. I said, never mind, you can't leave it at that. But right then, at that very moment, he opens my mouth and he shoves in his hands. Right when I push him for answers, he brushes me off, so I go talk to Pam. Pam is his wife. She sets the appointments and volunteers weekly at basketball games, helps with concessions and brings... What? That's Irene's husband, Declan, shouting from the living room as per usual. He does need to know that because that, that's where she talked to Coach Fordham. Oh, you don't know how this works. Okay. As I, what was I saying? 
Oh, so Pam talks to Fordham. That's Eric's dad. Fordham, he's blabbing at length about training. She asks who's in training. He's naming the names. And then he's explaining their whole wacky plan. His son and all of our babies are risking their lives for some kind of game. His understanding of all of it seems to rely on what Eric had claimed. And with teenagers, you know, who knows if you're getting the whole truth. Well, Eric's a good So boy. Pam is bewildered. She wants to know more. But Coach had to run because halftime was through. Now Pam's asking me to investigate further while I try to book an appointment for June. Yeah, oh, okay, June's so... looking tough. They're out for three weeks to visit Pam's mother and Dave. And she offers late May. I say, okay, great. We make the appointment and then I call you. I figure you spent enough time out there with those kids. You probably already knew all about this cockamamie idea. Am I right? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I have known about the, the final, yes, and okay, the kids Okay, that's what training. I thought. Okay. Um, I'd be happy to play you some tape of what I've recorded out there if you'd like, but mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind holding off on telling Kathy about it for now. I wanted to get to Kathy first. I felt like I owed her that before news spread to her, and I felt guilty for not telling her earlier. Oh, okay. Jeez, you sound just like her. I, so I called her last night, and all she seemed to care about was whether or not I had told Donald yet. Oh boy. In what world did I think I was going to beat Irene O'Connor to the punch on spreading gossip? She wanted to get the whole story, she said, from Peregrine before Donald could get involved. I don't know what she thinks she's missing, but fine. If that's what she wants to tell him, she can tell him. That's fine with me. Okay, so it sounds like you were maybe able to fill in some more details after you left the dentist? Well, after I called you and you didn't answer, I went to the pick and save just for a treat. Because cleanings are stressful. I felt like I earned it. I picked up a Snickers and who do I meet? Lexi. You're good. Right there, restocking bananas. I ask her one thing and she's telling me ten. Right where my knowledge had ended, she's picking it up with a who, what, and when. Clearly she wanted to vent with or without my consent. But then I knew more than I would have before if I hadn't no went to the dentist. Tail between my legs from my conversation with Irene, I went to see Kathy, knowing what she now knew. I caught her at home while Peregrine was at school. Can I get you anything, hon? Tea? Hot cocoa? No, I'm okay. Even when she was upset, hospitality was in her bones. She sat across from me in her nursing scrubs. I feel, um... (laughs) I feel stupid. Um, yeah, I guess, uh... I'm guessing you already knew about this whole final thing. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at you. You don't owe me anything. I don't expect you to... It's just, um... You know, it just doesn't feel good when you're the last one to know something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, um... It's difficult for me to... to process this. This just... You know, this isn't... This just isn't who Peregrine is. She's an excellent student. And was always a rational child she might have rebelled here and there in the past but nothing this wild she's the sister for god's sake of someone who died when he went out and played in those woods i mean frankly for me i'm afraid of those woods she knew it was wrong how upset I would be That's why she lied and she tried what she could Just to keep it from me She's broken my trust 
the girl I If you've been wandering lost, Dead Reckoning can help reorient you. But if you didn't realize you were lost, if you thought the whole time you knew where you were headed, then Dead Reckoning may lead to an unwelcome surprise. I should have known months ago. I felt like a damn fool when I got the call. Kathy had wanted to be the first to talk to Donald. She hoped that as cousins, as parents, they might together be able to decide how to deal with their kids' reckless behavior. But fate had other plans. I know Peregrine didn't mean for anybody to get hurt, but when all she cares about is herself and her final, then that's what's going to happen. We didn't know why she wanted to meet for a second session, but she seemed really worked up, so we just went. She was next-level intense. One. Feel the roots when you first up and three. Feel the power in you four and again. Huh. That's when she told us that her mom had found out about the final. And she was super pissed because her mom said she had to call off the final and wasn't allowed to go back out into the woods anymore. And she was just yelling out instructions one after the next. Every rock when you through the pain. JF, come on. Come on. And John Francis would never back down from a challenge. And she was just pushing him too hard and strike. Left, right, left, right, and drop. Ah. Ah. You could tell by the sound it was broken bone for sure, but Howell was asleep and no one knew what to do, so I called 911. And that's when everything fell apart. I get a hold of Sheriff Porter. He passes me off to one of his cronies. Thought that would stop me. Now, I, see, I found out that back when Jacob went missing, first day of the search, they get a call at the police station, low, gravelly voice, asking if there's any reward for finding the missing boy. They tell him no, no reward. He hangs up. Three days later, another call, same low, gravelly voice. He found Jacob's body. As far as Donald saw it, this was all but certain evidence that Jacob Wells was alive longer than the police had thought. That Peter Howland knew it, knew where he was, and didn't do anything about it. Spiteful son of a bitch let him die just because we wouldn't pay him off to be a decent citizen. And now he wants to indoctrinate my son? Not gonna happen. 
Between what he had learned from the cops and what had happened to John Francis, Donald Van Kalkar was ready to take action. If Peter Howland had anything to do with the death of Jacob Wells, he wanted the world to know. He made more calls, and within 24 hours, local news swarmed Howell's cottage. Howell shut himself inside and wouldn't be seen for nearly a month. And just like that, all the work that Peregrine and the others had put into preparing for the final was undone. Peregrine and John Francis were grounded, the rest of the survivalists dispersed and leaderless. Everyone left angry and alone. philosophy seemed clearer than ever. Most people expect things to work out in their best interest. Do you think Hal knew about Jacob? Do you think he let him die? I don't know what to think, honestly. This wasn't how it was supposed to go. But nature doesn't care about your expectations. The only question is, when the worst thing happens, will you be prepared? So, does this mean the final is off for good? Not if it's up to me. Is it up to you? We'll see. Next time. In Strange Woods is a production of Atypical Artists. The series was created and written by Jeff Lupino Esposito, Brett Ryback, and Matt Sav. The series was directed by Jeff Lupino Esposito, music produced by Matt Sav and Evan Cunningham, and sound designed by Brandon Grugel and Steven Jensen. In Strange Woods is executive produced by Matt Sav, Brett Ryback, Jeff Lupino Esposito, Lauren Shippen, and Brigham Snow. For more information about the cast and crew, please visit InStrangeWoods.com. Woods.com.